Good to be with you guys. Thank you for worshiping with us. Sorry, still got wet stuff on my face. It's sweat, I promise you. Um, couldn't possibly be because of what we just sang. Um, so good, to, so good to worship with you guys this morning. Like fills my heart, really does. So, um, uh, just a quick thing. I'll, I'll just throw this out. Uh, you know, you keep keep our family, <clears throat> keep our family in your prayers. Uh, my mom um, had a apparently had a heart attack this past week, a uh, mild heart attack that we found out about last night, and uh, she's in the hospital uh, right now. And just asking. Uh, for prayer, but they they did a heart cath last night and uh, found out that there's no blockages, uh, no reason to do anything or have like major concern of anything else. So, uh, just a, just a FYI, just so that you know, and you can be be praying for her and be praying for Dad. They uh, uh, they're you know they're not getting younger, and uh, it's uh, it's uh, we're in that stage in life where things are happening and. Uh, I think it's kind of shocking to them. It's a little shocking to me sometimes too. But uh, uh, anyway, I love them very much and appreciate your prayers for them. And uh, already the concern that uh, some of you have shown and prayed for me and all that stuff. And I really appreciate that. So thank you. Um, we, uh, you know, we've got this morning uh, this amazing opportunity to start uh, in something together. I really feel like that God has led us to. Uh, to study together through the Old Testament and looking at the life of David. Um, and, you know, David is one of those guys that, uh, you know, we, we, we talked about, you probably you saw those words, I, I, didn't even, I haven't even seen that, it played behind me, I started seeing it, uh, but we had, we had talked to staff, we talked about all these words that, um, you know, kind of encompass who David was, and, and, and some of that started from uh, the conversation that we had last year about this, when we were still doing staff meeting in this room when it was full of all the stuff from the rest of the building in the middle of the renovation and stuff. And uh, we, we had some of that talk then and, and had already penciled in some of these words, some of these adjectives, if you will, uh, of, of who David was. Um, and, uh, you, know, we, I, you know, I had stuff, you know, it's not as friendly as all the thing or, you know, whatever is like murderer and sex addict and, you know, all, all, these, all these things. But they're true. And I think for so many of us, we struggle with sin that we currently struggle with or sin that is part of our past. And the truth is, is that God wants us to move on from, from both. Uh, you know, he, he, wants us, he wants us to move forward. He wants us to live in the story of redemption. He wants to, us to exist in his grace. Um, and, and, and in sending Christ to die for us, we have that opportunity. And, and so, you know, it's easy, I think, for us to throw the words up, you know, for David uh, as, you know, we probably do that for ourselves. And so we can identify with that, but I think it's important for us to recognize and know that our identity is not in those words. Our identity is in Jesus. And so um, as we look at this uh, over the next uh, many weeks, uh, I, think, I think this is going to be great for all of us. Uh, I think it's going to be great for me, and I'm excited about that. And um, yeah, I just uh, I look forward to uh, uh, to you know studying this together. You know, one of the things that David was was he was a follower of God. You know, he he loved the Lord, and and the Lord had chosen him to do something. 
you know. The Lord chooses all of us to do things. You know, I don't think we, we really think that much about that or whatever, but, but the truth is, is that, that God, God, you know, uh, before the beginning of time knows of things that we are going to do, that He's calling us out for His purpose to do for His glory. And I think that's, that's a huge statement. And, and that'll, and that'll, you know, that'll kind of, you know, rattle your brain a little bit, if you will, at the same time. And, uh, and, and I want us to look at this, you know, for, first of all, we've got, we've, got an, we've got a situation, you know, we've got a political situation. Uh, the people of Israel are, you know, begging God for a king, and they beg God for a king to the point that, that God gives them a king instead of them being patient and waiting on God to give them a king, and so God gives them Saul. Okay, and so they get King Saul, and the problem with King Saul is is that he's not just really wanting to follow the Lord with everything that God has called him to do. As a matter of fact, God calls him. Uh, this is all in First uh, Samuel 15, and you can go look at that later if you want to. Just a little backstory, uh, and and he calls Saul to take up an army and go and conquer all these people. And, and basically wipe out and wipe the land of these people and their things, and he can't bring himself to do it, you know? So King Saul goes, and he, and he, does, part of the, he does part of the battle, but then he spares some of the people he's not supposed to spare, and more specifically, he spares many of their things. He sees their livestock, he sees... You know, all, all of this stuff. And what it is, is he gets greedy. And he's looking at these fattened calves. And he's like, oh man, we could use those. You know, I'm thinking like barbecue pit. We'll smoke those suckers. They're going to be great. Like we can't just kill those things, right? And so he disobeys God. And from this moment forward, it's, it's kind of Saul is cursed. You know, it, it's, he's his own worst enemy, as most of us are, because so many of us, most days of our lives, get into those moments, you know, where we think we know better than God, and that's what leads us to a sin. And Saul falls into that trap, and he goes forward, and God's blessing is not on him as a king. And then not only that, but while he is a king, God does something, he chooses another king. While Saul is king, another king is chosen, but it's not known to everybody, and it's not known to Saul the king, and it will be known in time, and we will get to see that part of the story unfold as we study this together. In fact, if you've got a Bible with you, we're going to 1 Samuel today, chapter 16. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers have Bibles, and they would love to bring you one. Just throw your hand up, let them know you need it. If you don't own it, you can keep it. We'd love for you to have it. It is a gift. But 1 Samuel 16, we see the continuation after Saul has gone rogue on this whole, you know, mission of I'm going to do it how I want to do it kind of thing. And basically from the get-go, it was kind of a setup for failure that Saul would be the king and that Saul would be the people's king, but God would have his own king in mind and that would be the one that we know as David. 1 Samuel 16, 1, it says this. It says, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. 
I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite. I love that term. I'm a Joltonite. For I have provided for myself a king among his sons. So God speaks to Samuel, says, hey, there's a guy named Jesse. He lives over in Bethlehem. I need you to go get him because one of his sons is going to be our king. Samuel's tore up. He's still tore up about Saul and how things are going with that. And it says in verse 2, And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice the Lord and invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do and you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. Verse 4 says, Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet with him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he, and he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So God basically sends Samuel to go over to Bethlehem, how fitting, Bethlehem, and find Jesse and his sons and be like, hey, you guys, come go with me to the sacrifice tonight. We're going to have a party. And so he invites them to come to the sacrifice. And we pick up in verse 6, and it says, And when they came, he looked on Elab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Verse 7. And I love verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of of his stature, because I have rejected him, for the Lord sees not as, a, not as man sees, man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. That's a good word. The Lord looks on the heart. Jesse had all these sons. You know, it's, it's kind of like Father Abraham, but he didn't get a song. Some of you get that in a minute. Some of you won't because you can grow up in church, and that's okay. You can ask some of your church friends about that later. Um, but it says, it goes on. In fact, we'll go ahead and read, and we'll come back to this. Verse 8, it says, Then Jesse called Abinadab. Any, by the way, I'll, I'll put, you know, 20 bucks on anybody that wants to name their kid, kid Abinadab. You know, just go for it. Let me know and show me a birth certificate, and I'll pay you. And made him pass before Samuel, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Seven sons. Seven sons have passed by now. Jesse's brought seven sons. And you think, man, seven is a lot of kids to have. Tell me about it. And you can ask my wife, we have one son, and we cannot imagine what it would be like with seven of him. Seven sons come and pass by, and Jesse, you know, Jesse's throwing out what he thinks is the good ones. He's like, here's my tall boy. Here's my big boy. You know, here's, here's all these, here's all these, here's the one, you know, here's the athletic one, here's the one that's been working out, here's the one that's been working the cattle. 
And in verse 11 it says, Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. By the way there, the Hebrew word for youngest is also can also be translated smallest. David, not known for being a big dude, is left behind, and he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So, we have this whole picture of what's happened here. And God calling and anointing this king to be for the people of Israel. This king that we would come to know very well in so many ways. And we'll come to know him even more in the weeks to come. But not the king, (coughs) excuse me, not the king that they were looking for. Not the king that they were looking for. Now how does that sound familiar? Right? Not the king that they were looking for, but the king that they needed. God had in mind exactly who He wanted for the job, and He had chosen Him to be the one. The chosen king. God had a plan. Let me tell you something. God had a plan for David, And He's got a plan for you. Do you know that? Do you know that God has a plan for you and your life that is for the greater good of the kingdom of God? Like, we're not just happen chance here and all this kind of stuff. No, no, no. There's a whole lot more going on than that. God's got a plan for you. Here's here's the great part. Here's the great part. If we're, if we're following the Lord, and in general, we can't, in general, we can't screw up His plan. His plan cannot be thwarted. His plan will be done. His plan is to make Himself known, and He will either do that through us, or He won't. We will let Him do that, or we won't. And at the end of the day, if we don't, and if we're like Samuel, and we say, you know, well, I'm just going to, or like Saul, I'm sorry, If we're like Saul and we say, well, God, I know that you've got a plan here, but I'm going to do my own thing, then the Lord will eventually say, okay, you're not on with with this program. I've got another program. I've got a guy named David. I'm going to get him. He's like the littlest of a bunch of dudes in one house. And we're going to use him to do great things. And sometimes... You know, sometimes God chooses people that He chooses just to show us it's not about stature, talent. There's a, there's a guy, I probably could have gotten a little bit of the clip or something if I was thinking ahead, but a uh, guy that, and maybe you've seen this video, uh, that has cerebral palsy, and uh, I grew up with a friend of mine that had cerebral palsy, and and uh, you know, one of those, one of those things that uh, you know, it's it, it it's hard for those folks to do a lot of things. But this guy in particular is an amazing musician, an amazing musician. 
and, and uh, there's a video floating around out there of him uh, playing the song by, this is going to take some of you back, some of you are going to have absolutely no clue uh, what song I'm talking about right now, and that's okay, you can go look it up, a uh, song by a band called Shenandoah. I just, I just, I just took you back before 95.5 right there, okay, some of you, and, and, uh, uh, and, and the song is uh, uh, Two Dozen Roses, remember that song? Really good song, really good song, I'd sing it for you, but I won't. And so, um, uh, I'm tempted though, because uh, I love the song. Uh, but anyway, this guy's playing this song, and he's not, he's not just playing it. He's playing it on guitar, and he's got, his, he's got a friend of his that's playing bass next to him. But he's playing it on guitar, and, he, and he's playing it, and, and he's singing it. And let me tell you what, he's nailing it. I mean, he's nailing the song. And the, and, and the craziest thing is, is he's, and I, I play a little guitar, I've, I've, done, my, I've done my time with, with the guitar, and, uh, you know, and the way he's playing the guitar, you know, I'd play a guitar like this, well then he's not just playing it like that, he's playing it like he's left-handed, so he's playing it like this, but not like this, he's playing it like that, and he's got these fingers making chords, and he's strumming and picking with his left hand, and it's the craziest thing you've ever seen, and he's nailing this song. And I, and I just, I, I heard, so I heard the actual song on the radio this week, and just hearing the song on the radio made me want to go listen to his version on YouTube or whatever. And so I went and I found it, and, and man, I, I just loved hearing him sing that song. I believe his name is Terry. I can't remember his last name right now, but anyway... You know, and, I, and, I just, and, and it's such a great example of like how God uses somebody that oftentimes we wouldn't think could be used to do something. Listen, I listened to Shenandoah last night. Like I went on YouTube to try to find like the original music video. I never actually succeeded at that for some reason. Uh, and, but I did find them performing the song, okay, in more recent years. And nothing against Shenandoah. But Terry was doing a better job of singing that song than Shenandoah. Of course, Shenandoah's getting up in her years. Let's give him a little bit of that, and it's not an easy song to sing. God chooses who he wants, and sometimes he purposely chooses the people that we wouldn't think he would ever choose to do something great for his kingdom. It gets our attention. It makes us look twice. It makes us ask questions. God, what are you up to here? What's this about? He doesn't always call the equipped, but He will always equip the called. God calling you to do something that you feel like you couldn't possibly ever do? Has God ever done that in your life? Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. I, I can't tell you, I can't tell you how unworthy I felt in the moments that I knew God was calling us to start a church and I was supposed to pastor, supposed to be a lead pastor. I've been a youth pastor before that for years. I loved being a youth pastor. What's there to not love about being a youth pastor? I mean, like, you know, you feed kids crazy stuff on stage and you try to get them to puke in front of everybody and then you tell them about Jesus and lead them to the Lord. I mean, like, that was, that, was, that, was my, that was my whole equation for youth ministry. And it was great, you know. And we had a great time. 
And teenagers are actually pretty simple because they just want to be treated like everybody else. They just want you to talk to them like they're real people. God calls us to do things that we don't feel ready or worthy or capable to do. You see what it says in verse 13. It says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. What more did David need? Did David need a degree? Did he need a whole bunch of political experience? No. He didn't need any of that. He had the Spirit of the Lord on him to lead him, to guide him, to do whatever he needed him to do. And we go back to verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on his height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Let me ask you a question today. The Lord's looking at your heart. What's He seeing? The Lord's looking at your heart. What's He seeing? What's your heart look like today? Just be honest with yourself. God created you with a purpose in this world to do great things for the kingdom of God. To make Him known. A lot of people really struggle with the whole like, oh God, I don't know what God's purpose is for my life. Hey, chill out, okay? At the end of the day, it's the same thing for every one of us. You know what it is? You say, oh, oh, oh no. You mean I'm supposed to be a preacher? No. Okay? No. (laughs) Although sometimes I think some of you would be better off doing it than me. God has called every one of us to bring Him glory. To make him known. In this world, that is our purpose. In and through all the things that we get to do. At the end of the day, our purpose is to make him known. Now, if you go on in Samuel, 1 Samuel right here in verse 16, I want you to see what happens here. So we go back to Saul. We haven't seen a whole lot of Saul you know, here, uh, King Saul here in uh, chapter 16. But I want you to see what happens here in verse 14. It says, Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. That's some, that's some wicked, serious stuff right there. You know? But I think, it's, I think it's interesting that we see that the Spirit of the Lord came on to Saul, literally, uh, for the rest of his life, rushed upon him, uh, it said, uh, Upon David from that day forward, literally from then on, that, that, that the Lord would be with him and on him, which, by the way, shows that the, you know, we can be led by the Lord and still make dumb decisions sometimes because uh, we still think better for ourselves, even when uh, the Lord is with us. But it says, Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. 
And Saul's servants, verse 15, said to him, Behold, a harmful spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful in playing the lyre. And when the harmful spirit of God is upon you, he will play it and you will be well. So this is all part of a plan. This is all part of a plan. So Saul now, King Saul, who is, you know, obviously uh, not followed the Lord with some things that the Lord was very specific about. And, uh, you know, some of this is a little bit of paying the price for that. Uh, but some of this is honestly just part of a plan. When you look at this and you see what's going on, I mean, you've got to see that these are steps in what's going to happen. Steps to what? Well, we're about to see that. So, so Saul is still king. And now he's being tormented by this crazy spirit that the Lord has sent. And, and he's not in a good place. And so his guys are getting around and saying, Hey, I tell you what, let us go find this guy that plays a liar. He's really good. And we're going to bring him in here. And that's going to help you. And it's going to help you feel, like, feel a whole lot better. And so then they go. And guess who they find? David. David turns out to be like the greatest liar soloist going on in most recent rock concert tours. And so they bring David in, and we pick up, in fact, let's just pick up here in verse 20. It says, And Jesse took a donkey laden with bread and skin of wine and of a young goat and sent them by David his son to Saul. And David came to Saul and entered his service. And Saul loved him greatly, and he became an armor-bearer. So Saul not only is like great on the lyre, but he wins the trust of King Saul, who he's been anointed to replace, to be so close to him that he's now going to be his armor bearer, right? And then it goes on verse 20, and Saul Saul sent to Jesse saying, let David remain in my service for he has found favor in my sight. All part of a plan. And so Saul is enduring suffering, which when we endure suffering, what do we do? We're like, get it off of me. Get it off of me. You know, just get get it. Get it off of me. Just, you know, try to get rid of it. God, get rid of it. You know, I want it gone, right? That's how we we act with suffering, right? We're like, I don't don't want it. I don't want it, right? And we're freaking out. We're like, oh, how, how in the world could God use something like this? Well, sometimes, sometimes he's using it for his plan to do something that may or may not have anything to do with us, and sometimes it very much has something to do with us, and he wants us to go through something because he's preparing us for something else. And in verse 23, it says, And whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul... David took the lyre and played it with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the harmful spirit departed from him. I mean, I don't know when the last time was you heard somebody play the lyre was. But that by itself isn't doing it for me kind of more of a Metallica guy. But, here's what's happening. Here's what's happening in this. And what's happening in this is that we're seeing worship have an effect 
on King Saul. David, whom we know for writing the Psalms, for starters, we know that his music was for the Lord. We know that he was picked by the Lord. We know that he was anointed by the Lord. And we're pretty sure that if he's making music, it's probably not to woo the ladies, but it's to woo the Lord. And so in the process of that, King Saul, who's got this crazy spirit thing going on that's tormenting him, is being comforted because David is worshiping the Lord with him. And so what do you think King Saul is doing? He is in turn worshiping the Lord. That doesn't say that. I'm taking a little bit of liberty there with that. But I think that that makes sense. And I think just knowing who David is, I think that, that we can understand that. And it's the power of worshiping God. It's why I couldn't help but sweat a lot during that last song. Not crying. You see, what we've got here is we've got a situation of Saul versus David. We've got the people's choice versus God's choice. And so often, I think, in our lives, that, that, that is very indicative of, of where we might be with choices and, and even people in our lives and who we're choosing to allow speak into our lives. David was anointed king while Saul was still king. Saul basically lost kingship power at this point, but he's still technically the king. I mean, we've seen presidents like this, right? Where they're in a situation where, you know, at, by, the end of, by the end of the thing, nobody's really following. I mean, you, maybe you've had a boss where you've worked at some point that was this way, and, and, and toward the end of their tenure, you know, everybody kind of knew that they were done or they were gone or no longer had the power to really say, and even though they were still the boss, they weren't really able to lead. That's exactly where Saul ends up here. And David ends up being anointed the king, although he's not given kingship, as he patiently waits for seven years. I'm getting ahead of today, but just a little bit of kind of what's coming. Seven years! What if I told you today, God wants you to wait seven years on something? that you thought you might have an answer to last week. How's that set with you? <laughs> You'd be like, get it out of me, get it out of me. You know? you you got to do something about this. Right? That's what, that's, that's what we do. And we're like, no, God, I need this right now. No, no, you don't, you don't really know. Apparently you haven't seen our finances, Lord. You know, I mean, we, we start like, you know, twitching and all kinds of stuff. And the truth is, is that sometimes we're called to patiently wait. What do we see? What do we see David doing? We don't see him going in, going on in and being like, hey, what's up, Saul? By the way, I'm the king. Get out. You know, we don't see any of that. In fact, we won't see any of that. And he will patiently, patiently wait. Maybe the question is today, what are you waiting on? I know you're probably saying, why am I waiting? Well, maybe you are waiting because he's not done preparing you for that. Need I say that again? Maybe you're waiting 
Because He's not done preparing you for that. Maybe He's still revealing what it is. Maybe you've seen a glimpse of it and you're a little excited, but the truth is, is you think it's like this one thing and it ends up being this whole other thing in the end. I mean, don't tell me that hasn't happened to you before. And that going through something is a part of it. It's a step in the process. Do you want to live in the middle of God's plan and God's anointing? Or do you want to move forward in the flesh and try to force it to happen? Let me tell you what, the second of those never works out well. And if we wait on God, we know when it is time and God will be glorified. He doesn't always call who we think, but He will equip and lead the called. I want to share two verses with you. And I close. John 15. John 15, verse 16. You know what it says? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Who is, by the way, the better David. And who, by the way, is part of the lineage to get to Jesus. David gets us to Jesus, physically speaking. Okay? Which is crazy and amazing And there's all kinds of things that we'll see in how the gospel works all this out. But in verse 16 of John 15, it says this. It says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you. That you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. That's our calling. That's it. That's our calling. Our calling is to make Him known in this world. To glorify God in everything that we do that others would know Jesus because they know us. The gospel is this. That there is a chosen King God's king would be David, but a better king would be coming, and his name is Jesus. And not only would he be a great king, but he would give his life for us on a cross that we might have salvation. It's good to be chosen. The one who has been chosen will also be equipped. And so if God is calling you today to anything, whether it's waiting or it's jumping and going for it, just be reminded that He Himself and the Holy Spirit who who Christ Himself promised would lead us, will lead us through those moments in life just as He did the chosen King. Let's pray. God, we thank You for allowing us to see how You work in the lives of others and people like David Lord, that we might have a glimpse into what it looks like that you might be calling us to do and how you work and how you go about your plans. God, thank you. Thank you that we have your word, that we can lean on it, that we can be challenged by it. Lord, I just pray today, Lord, that we as your church, 
Lord, as we come to you in these moments, even these moments to come right now, Lord, that you would be glorified in us, that you would speak to our hearts, that we would be reminded of what you've done through your son, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the gospel. Thank you for the reminder, Lord, that you have a plan, that you choose, that you call, and that you equip and provide. God, may we trust in all of those things. May we patiently wait for your leading. God, thank you most of all for your son Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.